Hey mamas, welcome to this bonus episode of the Mama series. This was week one of our Zoom study. We covered the biblical character of Hannah. We had a great time together. Yes, we did. And we recorded it for you in case you missed the Zoom so that you could hear it. Or if you just loved it so much that you wanted to hear it again, <laughs> here it is. This, uh, what you're going to hear is different than our normal podcast episodes because on this Zoom study, we are taking a deep dive into the Bible. We would love for you to join us on our next Zoom study. They happen on Thursdays in October. And to get that Zoom link, you can head over to our Facebook or Instagram, Gather Moms, and check it out there. Hope to see you next time. All right, let's jump in. All right, so I'm so excited. If you have a Bible, I would love for you to have it out. You have a paper and pen. Now is the time to get it. Uh, you guys, we what we wanted to do here on Thursday night that's different is we want to study the Bible. We're getting you. in the Word. We want to do a deep Word dive. up, girl. And so I hope that you don't feel like it's overwhelming. I think we're going to walk you through every part, but this is going to be the real deal. So we're going to really dig into the scriptures and take a good look. And so I would love for you just to take a moment and pray with me. Great idea. Okay. All right. Um, Close your eyes or don't, because my eyes are closed, so I don't know what you're doing. But in your own heart, would you just pray for yourself? Would you ask God to just remove all the distractions, slow down the busyness of the day, and help you just to be fully present in this place? And then if you would, please pray for me that God would speak through me and that it would be his words and not mine. Holy God, we love you so much, and it feels like an incredible blessing to be sitting here in my house and be connected with all of these mamas. God, we, we are so thankful for the way that you redeem technology, you redeem our time. God, thank you for making a way for us to continue to gather together. Lord, would you please bless this time that we have. Use it for your glory. That's all we want is your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so I got a text from my son today. So my son, Caleb, so I have three kids, a 12, 9, and 4-year-old. And my precious son, Caleb, started middle school this year. Oh, I love middle school. And he is in seventh grade. And um, so he takes he gets to take a phone with him. He does not have a data plan, but he can use the Wi-Fi at school. And so at lunch, one of the funny things about the Pandy is that at lunch they sit in these desks and mm -hmm. they like all face one direction and it's kind of it's it's kind of a tough deal. I mean, it's like being a loner, like on purpose. It is. And so, but Caleb has his phone. And so sometimes at lunch, he'll text me or he texts his friends or like he'll read a book and stuff. I think he's tried a few times to like engage the people around him, <laughs> you know, but he's a dude and it's, that's just kind of a tough thing to he's do. He's a friendly dude. He's very friendly. He's very friendly, but you know, it's tough. So I get a text from him today and I don't know if you guys have any kids yet that are the age that they can text you. But I just think it's really fun when I get a text. Do you get excited, like, when you get a text from Jake? Look, people, he's usually saying, are you here, Mom? Where are you, Mom? Are you picking me up, Mom? Did you forget me, Mom? So I don't know if it's the same kind of text you're getting. Uh, okay, well, 
No. Okay. Well, that's going to be fitting for what I'm about to tell you. But like when I see his little name pop up that I got a text from him, like it makes my heart skip a beat because I just think, oh, Caleb, you know, what, what are you going to say to me? And it's so fun when it's in the middle of the day because I love him so much when he's not here, you know? (laughs) You just said I love him so much when he's not here. I do. So I get the text. (laughs) I'm like, oh, what's Caleb going to say? And it's a picture of his lunch on this desk. And he says, this is all she packed me. (laughs) That's actually really funny. Like, good job, Caleb. Okay. So he is. You don't pack their lunch. No. So he's very mad because his sister packed his lunch (laughs) the night before and did not pack him enough food. So I want to know from um, you guys that are joining us, who packs the lunch in your house? Do you pack the lunch? Do your kids pack the lunch? Who packs the lunch in your house? Girl, okay. For all my failings as a mom, I pack their lunch. I do it. I do it. But is that a win? Because I feel like you need to teach them I, it's like my last hanging on of like motherhood, you know, like yeah. as they grow and leave your bosom, it's like I still have them. She said boo. For the lunch. Okay. Well, that's good. Do you write notes and stuff? Oh, see, that's taking it too far. <laughs> I just, I mean, I pack it. Isn't that good? <laughs> okay. That's good. But I do. I, I don't love it. Like it's not like an overflow of my heart, but yeah. I do like find some joy when I get done. I'm like, yeah, I packed a lunch. Okay. Well, good. Yeah. I'm glad because it does not spark any joy for me. And as soon as I These knew mamas are they, packing their lunches. Yeah, they are. They're packing them? Uh, oh, except for homeschool moms. Bless your hearts. <laughs> okay. And you got to be fixing lunch, not just packing it. And some of y'all buy lunch and we can't, Caleb has all the allergies in America in one little body. And so we have to pack the lunch because he can't, he would die if he bought the lunch at school. So <laughs> there ain't no telling what they serve him there. No, no, it's a Don't dumpster say it. fire. <laughs> I've tried to talk with the cafeteria ladies and bless their hearts. It's just, they just can't keep up with it. So yeah. Uh, so I just felt so bad for him and I just tried to like make up, make it positive, you know? And I was like, oh, it's okay. We'll talk to her. And he's like, no, this happens every time. (laughs) He was so mad and I was kind of irritated with him. But then also I was like, you know what, dude, I totally get it because it's like that feeling when you go to pick up food and they don't have your whole order. Right? Oh, Chiloso. I mean, I'm just going to say it out loud. You just called them out. I love them. I love them. These these mamas know. If you're local, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, they do. Okay, our local Mexican food place. So <laughs> that's the next thing I want to know about you guys. Are you a, do you check the entire bag before you drive away or before you walk away? Or do you just like, I, trust. I'm just going to trust. Go trust. with God. I'm just going to believe that it's all here. <gasps> Ooh, so I'm curious. Melissa fully checks. Haley Gay, check yeah. the bag. Check the bag. Yes. Fully I don't check. check. I don't check. I just drive away. Well, I have been burned so many times. And if you ever do just like the peak in the bag, and you're like, oh, I think it's oh, all there. Oh, Beth peaks. Yeah. Good job, Beth. Way to peak. But you get home, and sometimes that peak was not enough. <laughs> My husband is the one who does all the food pickup, really. He's the one. And so he he goes ham on checking. He'll just pull everything out of the bag, set it down and make sure that they have it. And he'll text me and he's like, tell me exactly what you ordered. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Because he wants to make sure it's all that. Cause he's the one, if he gets home without all the food, his happy butt is getting back in the car and driving back to the restaurant. And so he wants to make sure that he got Girl, everything. Girl, no, it's cereal night. If it ain't all there, then let's just go get some Lucky Charms, okay? Yes. Trust issues, Nicole. Yes. <laughs> I don't trust. They got enough going on. We got to watch their backs, make sure they got all my stuff in the bag. 
So I get it. I get it that it's frustrating when your food isn't all there. It's frustrating when, you know, you're waiting on that Amazon order and it says delivered and you're like, you lied. Oh my gosh. Do y'all have the neighborhood network where like people post if they didn't get their package yeah. in your neighborhood? Yeah. I always Next get door. my packages. Okay. We got one that said it was delivered and I was like, you're lying. And I went and I checked on the order on the app and you know, like the deliver per- delivery person had taken a picture of the front door. Yeah. Porch. Wait, what your front door? And I'm like, that is not my porch. <laughs> That is not hey, my... Hey, did you go looking for that front door? No, because I'm not going to, like, That's kind of fun. It's like a scavenger hunt. No, but then you got to call Amazon, and it's like, it's like, I don't know, going through a frozen tundra slash the Sahara slash to try and find their phone number. Like, how do you get a hold of That's these why people you scavenger hunt to the front tell door. them you, don't, you didn't get your package? You know, but it's frustrating because you're waiting for it, and then this thing that you expected wasn't delivered. And, you know, it happens to us all the time, whether it's in these little trivial things or whether it's in big things. Mm-hmm. You know, I think um, we have expectations about friendships, and sometimes those aren't delivered. We have expectations about our relationships, whether it's with your parents. You know, you might be expecting that by this point in your life, that you're going to have a healthy relationship with your parents and you don't. And that's frustrating or your relationship with your husband, Mm -hmm. you know, isn't where you would want it to be or something is going on with your children or your finances or something in your home. And you have these expectations on something that's going to be delivered and it just does not deliver. And it's so frustrating. And so we can sympathize with my Caleb who's like, Hey man, I was expecting something to be delivered here in my lunch and it's not here. And I'm frustrated and I'm disappointed. And that is exactly what happened to the mom that we are going to look at today. And her name here it comes. You ready? ready for it? Oh, I'm ready. Her name is Hannah, and Hannah. her story is found in First Samuel chapters one and two. And if you have your Bible, you can turn there with us. Uh, we are introduced to Hannah at the very beginning of the book of First Samuel, where we learned that she was married to a man named Elkanah from Ramah. And then we read in verse two about Elkanah. It says he had two wives. Oh. <laughs> Oh, let's just break it down Everybody right take a beat. All right, Jesus. Because yes. we know, you know, listen, sister wives, they made a whole thing out of it. But how well does that really work out? There wasn't just out? two of them, though. I don't know that they could have made a TV show for him. No, when they got just two. No. Okay. So he has two wives. The name of the one was Hannah and the other, you ready? You ready, ready for her name? Panina. <laughs> Shut it down, Panina. <laughs> Maybe that should be the Karen. Shut it down, Panina. I feel like we need to call her. I don't know if it's... Penny. Let's call her Penny. I think it's Penny. But listen, you're not going to feel real positive about her in a minute. So I almost want to call her like <laughs> Panini or something like kind of That's a little a sandwich. more... Got a little stank That's on a it. sandwich. Panera. Yeah. We could call her Panera. Well, listen, <laughs> she's about to... You're not going to love Penny here in just a second, okay? Pamini. Jocelyn says to call her Pamini. Pamini. That is good. She is a Pamini. That is super good. Winner. 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 Okay, so we got Hannah and Pamini. Nailed (laughs) it. Perfect. Okay, so we've got Hannah and Pamini. And it tells us that um, in the next sentence, it tells us, and Pamini had children, but Hannah had no children. And immediately you're like, there it is. There it is. There is the conflict. There is the pain. This is the crucial key to why there is going to be so much trouble. Because you have this man who has two wives and one has children and one doesn't. And 
Um, in case you're like side eye to the guy with two wives, how did he make that happen? Well, technically that was against God's law. Uh, but in the Old Testament, there were times that a man would marry a woman and she was not able to bear children, and so he would marry a second woman. And so that's exactly what happened here. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. He had married Hannah and loved her, but she wouldn't. She couldn't. Wouldn't. She couldn't bear children. And so he marries Pamini, and Pamini has all the children, and Hannah still has none. Mm. But we know that Elkanah loved her so much. And so I want to read um, a little bit of her story, and I hope you have your Bibles open so you can read along with me. I'm going to be reading from the ESV, but we're going to start out, and we're going to read the opening scene of our story, and it's set in the tabernacle of the Lord in Shiloh, which is north of Jerusalem, where God's presence dwelled, and this is in a time of rebellion by God's people, but we find this wealthy, devout man and his family, and they are going to go visit the tabernacle and offer sacrifices to God. So we're in 1 Samuel verse 3, and this is what it says. We're going to go to 8. It says, Now this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, though, she, though he had closed her womb. And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, pay attention to how the husband handles this. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep and why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? Sure he did. Bless him. <laughs> Bless his little heart. Doesn't that kind of make you feel better? Like, since the beginning of time, they just think. They just don't get it. Mm-hmm. You know? That's right. And it, you can tell it's not like this guy was trying to be a buster. You know, he just wanted to fix it. And he's like, oh, baby, aren't I, I better? Th- yeah, right. exactly. Mm. So big side eye to the people behaving badly in the middle of her pain. And we don't have time right now to do a deep dive, but this is what we are going to cover in the podcast episode about dealing with people in difficult situations. But basically, you have Penny. Pamini. 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 Who is rubbing it in her face that she has in abundance the thing that Hannah longs for. And a husband that isn't malicious, but just doesn't get it. Okay, so Mm -hmm. that's where we are. So she's so depressed. When it says, um, when he talks to her and he says, why is your heart sad? Those words literally mean depressed. And so she's depressed. She doesn't want to eat. And then we pick up in verse 9. So we're going to read right quick, verses 9 through 11. And it says, after they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me, And not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, that I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. 
So you have this moment where this woman is in so much pain. She's being ridiculed by this woman who's just throwing it in her face that she has all of these children. And, you know, I, I want to get mad at Pamini because I'm like, you're being such a punk. But on the other hand, you know, it's hurt people that hurt people, right? That's right. And she likely is so bitter because he obviously loves Hannah so much. That's true. You know, and she is hurt by that and she wants to hurt her so that she Mm -hmm. feels bad too, you know, but you've got Hannah who's just in this really bad place. She does not understand why God has closed her womb and she does the right, beautiful thing and she takes it to God. That's right. You know, it says she pours out her heart to him. And it's just this, you can tell that it's just this gut-wrenching prayer that she gives. Yes. And then something funny kind of happens. And we're about to give the side eye to someone else that's going to make a bad choice. (laughs) And unfortunately, it's Eli the priest. And let's look at what happens. And this is in verse 12. And it says, as she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, how long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, no, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. It's, I mean, it's interesting to me because she's misunderstood. Yeah. And we so often feel misunderstood, especially in our pain. Yes. Because nobody quite understands exactly how we feel. That's right. And you want to celebrate this choice that she's made because it's so beautiful the way she's, it's, there's no formalities. It's just this unbridled, completely reckless abandon before the Lord as she's pouring her heart out, you know? And it makes me think about, has anyone, could anyone ever think that I was drunk because of the way I so was pouring my heart out to God, you know, where I just completely let go of all my inhibitions and just, got wrecked before him, you know, I feel like that's a, that's an honor worthy moment where you're like, you are doing something right. You know, if, if you are able to just be that transparent and real with the Lord. Well, in despair too. Like she was just like, that was her only hope now. Yes. She just was only like coming to the Lord saying, this is all I've got is just to beg before your throne. Exactly. Exactly. And she does it. You know, she does the right thing because she could have just stayed depressed, not eaten, gone home, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but she took the opportunity. Um, in those times, that's where God's presence lived was in that tabernacle. And so she took the opportunity to meet with him and to talk with him. And the priest, um, you know, he calls her out and she, she could have handled the, her response badly, but she didn't. I know she did respond really kindly, right? Very humbly, but she corrected him and made sure that the truth was known. And then he gives her a blessing and sends her on her way. And so they all go back to Rama. And then the Bible tells us that, um, Elkanah knew his wife, Hannah, which means brown chicken. Wow. wow. (laughs) Those are Bible terms for let's get it on. Didn't they do that in Genesis? Like, isn't that what they said in Genesis 1 to Adam knew his yeah. wife Eve? Yeah. Yeah. That's such a nice way to say it. I know. Keeping think? it super G. Yeah. I like, like we it. We could totally put that in Hollywood today. 
Oh, listen, that's what I need. I need, you got this movie. Okay, just put up a thing that says they knew each other on to the next scene. Yeah, that's all all we need. We solved it. We solved the world's problem. So he knew her and she conceived. And one year after she asked God for a son, she gives birth and named him Samuel, meaning heard of God. Mm, I love that. Isn't that neat? It's just, I mean, I wonder what it felt like. For her after all that time to then be pregnant. Yeah. And get to know that she was about to have this thing that she had so longed for. Yes. And so then it's about time for Elkanah. You know, he goes back every year and he offers these sacrifices to the Lord. And it's time for him to go. And he asks Hannah to come. And she says, you know what? Actually, I'm going to stay back with the baby. Because when I finally go to Shiloh, it's going to be when he is weaned. And it will be the time that I give him over to the Lord. Mm. And so it tells us that when he is weaned, the next thing it tells us is that that when he is weaned, they travel to Shiloh to turn Samuel over to be raised by the priest and to live in the presence of the Lord and serve the Lord. Now, I have a question for you. Do you know how old Samuel was when Hannah turned him over? Does anybody have any guesses? Drop it in the chat. Drop it in the chat. Do you have any idea when you think, um, how old do you think Samuel was? Three, uh, three one year, There are. Two. Speculations. There are various speculations. Five. But the consensus, yeah, you guys are getting really close. The consensus among Bible scholars is that he was three years oh, old. Oh, stop the madness. He was three no. years old. Yes. That seems so young. Well, you know, I mean, you're having the reaction I had when I read this, you know, and you really think about him being three and her having to take that baby back. That's when they're so cute. I, they're so cute, right? And she takes him. Mm-hmm. Don't you think, I mean, if I were Hannah at some point in those three years, I would have thought, you know, maybe maybe God forgot. Like, <laughs> I bet he won't notice if I don't hold up my end of the bargain here. Oh, that's like a whole nother deep dive, isn't it? Right. Her trustworthiness before the Lord. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And so... um, In verses 27 through 28, she brings the child to Eli, her precious three-year-old, and she says this, and this is in verses 27 to 28, and I have to read it word for word because it's just too good. And she says, um, well, she tells him first, she says, and she said, oh, my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child, I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the wor- to the Lord. And he, Samuel, worshiped the Lord there. Wow. Lent. Isn't that lent incredible? Lent him to the Lord. And she goes on and she worships God in the beginning of chapter 2 with the most beautiful proclamation. They actually say that this prayer is considered the first poem in Scripture. And then she and Elkanah return to Ramah, and Samuel stays there and ministers to the Lord in the presence of Eli the priest. Hannah returned every year to worship, and when she went, she would bring him little robes. Can you imagine that moment when she Uh, comes back? Right. And then God blesses her with five more children. And you guys, I mean, there is so much here. There is so much here where we could camp out, right? We could talk about women's identity and being a mom and a wife and how much we put there, the pain of not being able to conceive biological children, the pain of surrendering a child, being misunderstood, pouring our heart out to the Lord. There's just so much. But I want to share with you the thing that caught my attention that I just had never seen in scripture before. Hannah shares something remarkable in common with a New Testament mom named Mary. 
the mother of Jesus. And in the chat, I just want you to think real quickly. Can you think of any ways that Mary and Hannah could be alike? Because you may not have ever thought about this before. So I'm wondering if you can think of any commonalities that they share. In what ways could their lives be the same? Um, you might notice that they were um, each given a son miraculously. Ooh, right? Miracle Hannah son. is given a miraculous son and Mary is given a miraculous son. All right. Um, both sons are completely devoted to God right? Mm -hmm. These mamas surrender their baby boys to the Lord. Um, there are other things that you may not have ever seen that I would love to share with you. So one is that both of these women, when they talk to the Lord, they refer to themselves as his servant mm -hmm. and lay their own agendas aside for the will of the Lord to be done. We hear, um, Hannah do this in her prayer after she leaves her son with Eli. She, she says this beautiful, Oh, uh, before she does, when she's praying to God and she's in pain, when, um, Eli thinks she's drunk, she's praying. And Hannah says, Oh Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me, she says, if you will. And she calls herself his servant and Mary, when she prays after being told that she's going to bear the Christ child, she says in Luke one thirty eight, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. That's amazing. So we have both of these women who call God the Lord. They know that they are his servant and they have an if you will mentality, right? That's so good. Okay. The second is they both offer songs of praise to God. So you've probably heard before of Mary's Magnificat. It's the beautiful song that she sings when she sees her cousin Elizabeth and she rejoices that she is carrying the anointed one. Um, but did you know that Mary's Magnificat borrows phrasing from Hannah's no praise way. to God are you serious? in 1 Samuel 2? Yes. Really? Yes. So you could go and look it up and you can see all the ways that the phrasing follows the same two um, of how Mary uses her same wording. And Hannah prays, my heart exults in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. And Mary prays, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. That is so cool. Yes. yes. Isn't that neat? And not only did these two women have all these commonalities, but their boys did as well. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Samuel was a prophet and Jesus was the better prophet, the fulfillment of all prophecies, the prophet of prophets, right? But something is said about these two boys in scripture, and it's only found in these two places. In 1 Samuel 2.26, it says, Now the boy Samuel continued to grow both in stature and in favor with the Lord and also with man. And the same is said about Jesus in Luke 2.40, where it says, And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Wow. Isn't I that never, incredible? I've never known that. I had never seen it before either, and I thought it was just remarkable. You know, it's not by accident. When we look at Scripture, nothing is here by accident. And so we look at the model of Hannah and Samuel, and then the beautiful fulfillment of that in a higher, more perfect degree with Mary and Jesus, you know, that it was a foreshadowing of what mm -hmm. that would look like mm -hmm. with the Christ child. And I think it's incredible that you see this woman give up her son and praise God for it. And you see Mary do the same thing that she gives up this miraculous child and that the result of that is praise. You know, Mary would have known 
Old Testament scripture, right? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. So she would have studied. Sure. Yeah. Would she have studied Hannah's I think story? so. I think that's where it comes from, that she would have known these words. Okay, because to me, that's just a really cool to see that your story impacts somebody else's story. Yes. Hannah never met Mary. No. She had no idea that what she did in her life exactly. would then impact somebody exactly. hundreds of years later. She lived out faithfulness, and it was able to all those years later. That's amazing. Someone else. That's really cool. So they have all those things in common. Here is the one that I want us to camp out on for just a minute that I think they have in common. And I just find it remarkable because both of these women are living a life that they didn't sign up for. Mm -hmm. Both of these women are living in the unexpected. Hannah expected to get married and have children but that's not the life she was given. Mary expected to get married and then have children, and that is not the life she was given. Both women respond by saying to God, I am your servant, do your will. They open their hands to God and say, I'm not holding on to my own life, but I'm surrendering it all to you. I am emptied, fill me up. And you know, right now, moms, we are all living in the unexpected, unrequested and unwanted. None of us wanted or asked for a pandemic, but here we are. And you may be living in the unwanted and unexpected pain of infertility like Hannah, mourning the loss of a loved one, living in the unwanted and unexpected of singleness. You could have a sick or rebellious child, a husband or marriage that wasn't what you expected, finances or health issues that you didn't ask for. And Hannah and Mary live out for us the response that we must have. When we are handed the unexpected, that we open our hands to the Lord and surrender when everything in us wants to close our grip and try to take control. Mm -hmm. There is great joy in living that surrendered life because I want you to notice this. I mean, we talked about how hard it would be for us to give up our three-year-old. Right. And there could have been mourning by Hannah as she left her toddler to be raised by someone that wasn't her. But you know, the scriptures never tell us that she was bitter or angry or sad or any of those things. It actually shows us that she had joy and peace and hope and that she pours out her heart and that rejoicing as she just walks in obedience to the Lord. And that is the gift of a surrendered life. That's amazing. So practically, moms, this means that as we continue to walk through this pandemic, that we, like Hannah, pour our hearts out to God, and we call him Lord, and we surrender as his servants, and we say, you know, if you will, if you will heal us, if you will set us free from this quarantine, if you will, we will walk in it, but if you won't, we will still continue to serve you, no matter what. It was your will that will be done. And with our children, Hannah demonstrated what an emptied out life looks like when she surrendered her children to the Lord. You know, the most freeing thing you can do as a mom is give back to God the children he gave you. That's a tweetable. You know, she, when she gave Samuel to Eli, she says, I am lending him to the Mm. Lord. And that has to be our mama's prayer. If we are going to live as mamas who are free from anxiety, control issues, fear, we have to be able to say, God, I'm giving you back. I'm giving with open hands these children that you gave to me Mm -hmm. because I trust you. I'm your servant and you're the Lord and you have got them. You have better plans for them. You know better for them than I do. Mm -hmm. And so when you're anxious about their health, you give them back to God. 
And those moments where you want to close your grip around them, that you freely offer them back up. When you're worried about their choices, you give them back to God. When you want to fix it all for them and pave the way ahead of them, you give them back to God. Mm -hmm. And in those times that feel empty, like Caleb's lunch, (laughs) you pour (laughs) your heart out to God and you empty yourself and let him fill you up. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you you meet us in the emptiness, God, and that when we live the emptied out life, that is where you fill us up. And Lord, we want that. We want to live with open hands and emptied out hearts so that you can be the one that leads and guides and controls. God, help us to be mamas like Hannah and Mary that know that we are the servant, you are the Lord, and that we trust you, whatever you will, God, we will trust you and walk in it because we know that you take care of us. God, right now we commit to give back to you the children that you gave to us. They are yours, God, and we trust you with them. Help us to walk and live in the joy of that freedom. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so we have a few minutes. So if you have any questions, what do you want to talk about that maybe we didn't get down in the nitty-gritty with? We have a little bit of time. So what what kind of comes to your mind? What do you feel like that we need to, to dive a little deeper? And this is your chance to... Just be real with us and talk to us about what's going on in your hearts um, so that we can share. It's what we're here for. One of the things that the mamas commented that a way that Mary and Hannah were alike was that they were both outcast. Oh, wow. So Hannah was outcast by Panina because yeah. she was being mocked. Yeah. And then Mary was an outcast because nobody fully understood what she was going through. They thought it was, they thought it couldn't be real. And I good. thought that's really good. Sometimes when we're struggling with something that's so dear and near to our heart, we do feel like an outcast. We feel like others are looking at us with mockery um, or judging our circumstance like we have had some part in it or caused it. Whether they are or not. Right. Right? right. You feel the isolation. You feel like you're being judged. You feel like the other, mm-hmm. you know, because you're going through something that maybe other people don't understand. And both of them, Mary and Hannah, responded beautifully to that, just yeah. like the way that Hannah responded to the priest when he called her out and she, yeah. you know, corrected him, but in a kind and gentle way. Yeah. And then Mary, like we never see her lash out. It's, she just takes it with such humility. Yeah. Yeah. Even when her son is being killed, you know, yes. you know, one of the beautiful things that I, I didn't point out yet is, um, you know, the legacy that Mary leaves and this is all God because obviously Jesus was God in the flesh. But as she prayed, you know, God, your will be done. We see her son pray the same thing in the garden, mm-hmm. you know, that he he has that moment where he wishes that that cup could be taken away from him mm-hmm. um, as he is living in the unrequested. And he, he says, but God, your will be done. That's right. You know, I'll walk in it. That's such a great example for us, a, a prayer. I think that people sometimes are scared to pray your will be done. But when we pray that prayer, it really is because we don't know what else to pray. Like, yeah. I don't I don't know what to tell you, God, except that you probably have a different plan than I do. And yeah. I really want it to be about you and not about me. Yeah, that's great. Okay, we have a question texted in that says, in dealing with disappointments or unexpected circumstances, how much do you show or share to your kids? Ooh, do you hide one. it all or do you help them understand what mom is going through? You know, how do we, when we're living in the unexpected and unrequested, unwanted, how do we, how do we work through that with our children? I think it depends on their age and maturity. Yeah. I do think, um, like I have a 14 year old now and he understands a lot more, a great deal. 
Um, and I think the littles maybe don't. And, and maybe sometimes in those circumstances when we do something that we shouldn't, maybe we, you know, re, re, we lash out, yeah. we react, we go and ask forgiveness. Yes. You just say, I'm sorry, mom, so I'm good. sorry. Yeah. But maybe for an older child, you can go back to him and say, look, my heart was really disappointed. Yes. And I chose a selfish path yeah. by doing what I did or, you know, whatever it might be. But I do think it depends on maybe their age and maturity. Yes, but I think you're saying generally you don't hide it completely, you know, because we want our children to see authenticity in us, mm-hmm. you know, because it sets them up for failure if we try and live this whitewashed perfect life and then they get to be an adult and they're like, hold on, how did mom hold it together all the time, you know? Um, we want them to see that we struggle and fail. And I think you're right that we use the language that they can understand at their age, you know? Um, there were times when I was struggling with depression when the kids were very little and I would just have to say it in words, you you know, I just said, mommy's sad and tired and I just need to rest. And that's all that they could understand, you know? Um, and so I think that's what you're saying is it, it really depends so much on their age, but I think just being real about it Mm -hmm. and hopefully letting them see you pour out your heart to God. You know, um, I know moms who are very intentional about journaling and Bible setting in front of the children, Yes, you know, and so that they see you sitting there and working through it with the Lord. They have to see our disappointment because as much as we want to protect our kids, we know they're going to be disappointed too. Yeah. And if they never see me struggle in that and turn back to the Lord in those instances, then, I mean, they could hit adult life and not know how to handle it. Exactly. Exactly. We set them up for failure. Okay. um, What what else are we getting here in the chat? Oh, we're getting some good things. Um, So many mama friends who are struggling with whether to send their kids to school or stay virtual. So many different things people need to do. We need to be kind and gentle in our conversations and responses to all of them. Exactly. Yeah. That's a great word for us. Like when we see somebody struggling or going through disappointment for us to react in a way that's honoring to them. Right. That we don't, we don't pull an Elkanah. We don't pull a Pamini. We don't pull an Eli, you know, where we're, we're handling them badly, but that we see them, we see, and we have compassion. I had the, the, um, coolest incident. I was in Costco and, uh, you know, everybody has masks on and there's the distancing. I think we're all, I mean, even six months later, we're still kind of like fish out of water a little bit in some of those situations, <laughs> you know, I'm sorry, I got too close. It, and I was trying to figure out what lane to go to and, um, I kind of accidentally cut somebody off that was like trying to go to the lane I was going to. And I said, I am so sorry. And the man looked at me and he said, it's okay. We're all in this together. And I thought that you are right. Yes, that is is the right thing to say. Yes. You know, we are all in this together. And gosh, I mean, if there could be anything that I could say to people as we're maneuvering this, this season, it's we're in this together. Well, and I think that, Sometimes it's easy to look at someone um, and think, oh, well, I'm never going to go through that struggle. Yeah. And for goodness sake, I mean, who are we to say <sighs> But what for the grace of God, so That we're going to struggle with. Yeah. And so I think sometimes, like, we just really have to be um, aware that we have no idea what life holds for us. And maybe, just like with Hannah, her story then impacted Mary years later. Yeah. Maybe somebody else's story is going to impact me, or maybe my story is going to impact them. Yeah. Like, just like you said, to hold my hands open and be like, God, whatever you give me, I want to give it back to you, and maybe give it back to another mom and help her walk her journey. Yes. Yeah. That's that's good. good. It's one of the questions. What do you say if somebody says a hard thing to you? Like, what if somebody reacts like Panina, Pamini? Yeah. And they're treating you in a way that really isn't right. What do you do? Yeah. So... 
I don't want to give too much away because you have to listen to the podcast episode. Because, <laughs> Perfect transition. Because that's really what we want to talk about. I want to, I feel like there's a lot there. I feel like in this Hannah story, she is in so much pain and she has all these characters who are just doing it wrong, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, I think we need to talk about how you do it wrong and how you do it right when someone is in pain, you know? And then as the person in pain, how you handle it when people do it wrong, you know? Um, And just like Shelly just said, I always try to be kind because we don't know other struggles. I mean, that's the bottom line. Don't dehumanize people. Don't put them into a box. We are all out here trying to do our best. There is no mom who is trying to, I don't know. No, purposefully screw up their children. No, No. we are all trying to do our best. Yes. And so saying to each other, we are all in this together. You know, that's where we go. That's where we go. And we pray. Let's write a song about it. Okay. On our podcast, we always end our episodes with what's your one thing. So what we're going to ask you to do tonight is to think about what's your one thing from what Kate shared tonight that you can take with you into your next week. That's right. Um, Something that you can put into practice, that you can pray over with the Lord, that you can ask him to put inside of you. Maybe it's not there. And just don't feel overburdened by like all this wonderful information. It was super great. But sometimes you just need one thing. Right. What is the one, what is your one walking away thing? You know, write it down right now on a piece of paper and take that with you of what your one thing is. If We would love it if you would share that one thing in the chat if you already know what it is. Um, you guys, I cannot even tell you how fun. I've been looking forward to this for weeks. And it felt so good to be studying God's word again to teach. With people, with moms. Yes, yes. yes. I mean, you guys, my soul missed this. Yes. And, um, so thank you for showing up. Thank you for being here. Thank you for smiling and nodding along. Thank you for chatting. Um, you guys are incredible. You are the wind in our sails. Um, and we just, a song too. we just wind beneath my wings. Yeah. You're just alluding to all these like songs. I'm just saying (sighs) we we started with Marvin Gaye. Let's get it on. And now we're ending with (laughs) the wind beneath my wings. I really feel like that's a perfect, like beginner and closer. I love it. So thank you guys so much. And we will be back on Thursday. Pay attention to social because uh, we're going to be giving away things. Highlighting our beautiful macrame macrame from Carolina. And we have things for you to buy. Merch, 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 merch. And it's the cutest stuff. So cute. And um, you get to see it. If you are on Zoom next week, you're going to be the first one to get to see it. And we're going to have a deal. That's right. And you guys will have first access to the deal. Deals deals. Good morning, America. (laughs) Okay. Here we are. All right. Love you guys so, so much and have a great night and be blessed. Good night.